0: Uh, she couldn't quite figure out how to make music fit uh, the message today so she just picked her mom's favorite songs <laughs> Linda for those of you don't know is Kim's mom and uh, Linda and a bunch of young adults show up here every morning to set the place up and take the place down and Andrew that we just sang happy birthday to, to one of those guys we're very grateful for the young people to come and do that well, today's Mother's Day, and I was very blessed to have a really neat mother, but my relationship with my mother has really come alive since COVID. There's, there are some silver linings to COVID. My two brothers and I, Mike the perfect one and Tim the favorite, and myself, we, uh, we get together, and uh, we decided that we're going to call my mom on Zoom every Friday, excuse me, every Sunday at 5, and we do that every Sunday at 5, all through covid and i have to say it is not just quality time sometimes it's quantity time it's is this has been a great year with my mom i think i've got to know her better than i ever have this last year because the three of us and our wives all uh, call up my mom on zoom and it took a while to get her used to zoom but uh, she's 85 but uh, she's fairly perky uh, very perky. A couple of years ago, she broke her arm climbing a fence going after a golf ball that she hit over the fence. So, <laughs> so she's a rather spry, spry older person. Very grateful for my mom. She lives in uh, Des Moines and uh, wishing her, if she's watching, a very happy Mother's Day. But mom, I'll talk to you at five tonight, seven o'clock your time. So today's Mother's Day, and we are going to talk about the Ten Commandments of Jesus. And every time I mention this to a stranger, they say, well, you've already done a sermon series on the Ten Commandments. No, that's the Ten Commandments. In the Old Testament, in Luther's Catechism, that's the Ten Commandments that are on the plaques. Those are the Ten Commandments on the courthouse uh, courthouse flagpoles, that kind of stuff. That's all fine and good. But Jesus also gave us commandments. And he said at the Great Commission, at the end of his ministry, Go around baptizing, making disciples, teaching them all I have commanded you. And so we're doing this because Jesus told us to. And he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So we picked out the top 10 commandments of Jesus in sort of a group session. And uh, we are really enjoying going through this. And commandment number five, which is today, is fitting for Mother's Day. Provide for your parents provide for your parents. And it comes through a story he tells saying that it's really not an option to do so. You have to do this. And here's why. We have some issues to deal with from the Bible. This is going to help those of you for whom Mother's Day is challenging. And I know that there's a lot of you for whom Mother's Day is very challenging. It's It's a day fraught with landmines emotionally. Expectations are super high. They're often not met. And some of us have estranged relationships with, with our parents, with our kids. And some of you watching online, probably, uh, you're not in contact with your kids. And that's really tough. So I want to let you know that you're in good company because Jesus had a difficult childhood. And you may not know that, but I'm going to walk you through the Bible. Jesus, had, Jesus grew up in a blended family, most likely. The best scholarship tells us quite a bit about what Jesus grew up in. And it wasn't perfect. The Holy Family, in the Middle Ages, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, has been idealized and romanticized. And I'm not sure why that happened, but it was done. And this created a picture of this perfect family with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And it shows up in a lot of the, the great paintings by Raphael and the stained glass windows and all of that stuff. And there's even schools called Holy Family if you were raised Roman Catholic. And they've just got this kind of perfect, perfect family picture. But it really wasn't like that for Jesus. If we look at the Bible, something appears. and It's this. The best scholarship, and this is all speculative, but it's the best educated guess, is that Joseph had a family and lost his wife. That is very common, very common among your grandparents and great-grandparents, by the way. Childbirth was scary before modern medicine. Lots of women died in childbirth. It happened. If you had a lot of kids, chances are one of them was going to get you on the way out. And that sort of happened a ton. If you've done any family history work, you've gone back in your own lineage and you've seen where that happens. Really, a really common sort of way happened in my my dad's line where, yeah, mom dies. You have to get another wife and you have some more kids and that woman helps raise the kids. That's kind of how that works. So the life expectancy for women now is higher than for men, but back in the day, it wasn't because of childbirth. Childbirth is the medical equivalent, I'm told by doctors, of donating a kidney. It's a big deal. It's not a little thing. And to survive that is a real blessing. And we barely survive it as humans. Childbirth, babies' heads are, well, we could go into this, but it's just amazing. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing that it happens at all at all my my wife gave gave birth to a householder and that was not good because we we're kind of wide people and it's it's it, lars was uh yeah my son yeah he was uh, he was born at 350 pounds and that's just how it was. <laughs> so the best scholarship does say that joseph probably lost his wife had some children and married Mary. And chances are she had one child, and one child only, and that was Jesus. And chances are Joseph died, because he disappears from the story. He's there when Jesus is a young teenager, and then we never hear from him again. So chances are he was quite a bit older, and quite a bit, uh, and back then things could happen, and he was in construction. Jesus was a tecton, T-E-K-T-O-N, which means builder. Chances are that was in... Stone and construction work and construction work was dangerous back then, as it is now. And so that could have happened and then Jesus was in this difficult spot. And here's some Bible things from from uh the Gospels. I think it'd be hilarious to do a sermon series on Jesus and the family, because it wasn't pretty. First of all, he was left behind in Jerusalem as a kid. Now I don't care what kind of parents you are, but you're a day travel away and you realize your kid isn't there, that's a problem. That's that's an issue. My wife always defends parents, so she's well, you know, they they, you know they just didn't know. know. But still, it's that's a day. It's a day, and he he comes. They come back looking for him. They spend a couple days looking for him in this big city in Jerusalem. Can't find him. They finally find him in the temple. And what does he do? Oh, mom, dad, so glad to see you. No, he mouths off to them. You should have known I was here. Uh, How did that go over with mom? You think? I mean, just there's this sort of tense deal all the time. Then they're attending a wedding. Mary is there with Jesus. And who isn't there? Joseph. Joseph's probably gone by now. They're attending a wedding at Cana, and uh, they get into a tiff with each other. The wine runs out, and Mary says, well, aren't you going to do something, Jesus? And says, woman, what's that got to do with me? None of your business, basically, he says. None of your business. My time has not yet come. And she says, do whatever he tells you. you know, she just keeps raising the stakes. And it, it, he ends up doing it, even though it wasn't his time to do this. So he obeyed mom and did what he had to do. But he probably wasn't happy about it. And so you know, there's this whole sort of thing. Mark 3, 20 through 21. His mother and brothers and sisters show up, older brothers and sisters probably. And they come looking for him, and they think he's crazy. And the Bible says so. They think he's out of his mind. And they say, we need to take you home because, you know, we're, we're going to call security otherwise because you're acting weird. And if you think about it, you know, you give birth to the Son of God, it looks weird to you, even if you know that. This is, it's challenging to be the mother of the Son of God. This is, it creates some kind of friction here. Phil, Phil Burtis uh, in our men's group said on Monday, maybe it wasn't all the parents' fault. You know, uh, Jesus tended to push people's buttons a lot. You know, he was always kind of doing that and probably doing that from a very young age. So when your family comes to take you away from work because they think you're crazy, that that's kind of a sign of tension in the family. OK, and then right there in the next few verses, Jesus says they're waiting outside. They're not my family. You guys are my family. You're my brother, sister, mother and father, that kind of stuff. How does that go over with mom and dad? Not real well. I can imagine Mary didn't like hearing that, and it probably wasn't written in a Mother's Day card. So this was, this is tough stuff. We have a family of origin and a family of destiny. The family of origin is the family that raises us. Our family of destiny is the family we put together later in life, the people we do life with. This church is a family of destiny. We are very much like that here. We like to connect with people. We like to have non-disposable relationships and Jesus says, my family of destiny is more important than my family of origin. Well, that didn't go over too well with mom. And then he says in Matthew 10, 35, I've come to turn a man against his father, against his mother, against his brothers and sisters. How's that for, I can just see a focus on the family series on Jesus and the family. It's, it, it would be difficult. It would be very difficult. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because we all have families that aren't perfect. And if you're, Nuclear family's nice. Just go a little farther out into the cousins, and you'll see what I mean. It's, I could tell you stories. But anyways, it's really tough what he grew up with. And then he says in Luke 14, 26, unless you deny your mother and father and come and follow me, you're not worthy of the kingdom. So family first was not really probably something Jesus had on his mirror when he shaved in the morning. It's just, it's just not one of those things that he put at the bottom of his emails. He had a challenging blended family where the stepbrothers and sisters probably didn't like him very much and were older and all kinds of stuff happened. So what did he do? He left his family. The best scholarship says that Jesus left his family in in Nazareth and went and joined another family in Capernaum. He left a tecton family, a construction family, and he moved to uh, Capernaum and joined a fishing family. Halieus is is a fisherman in Greek from which we get halitosis, which is bad breath, which is breath that smells like fish. So you get the sense for what that is. It comes from that word. So you get this. He ends up in a fishing family. Maybe he was doing a construction project there and ended up staying. But in any case, he left his family and moved to another one. Now, I'm not talking nuclear family here. I'm talking oikos. Oikos is an extended family extended family. Back then, they had a business. And he left a construction family and went to a fishing family. And that's where he got his first disciples. Peter, James, John, Andrew, that whole gang, they came out of that bunch. So he started teaching them while he was probably doing work, building a house there, or doing something along the way. So that's what the best scholarship tells us. Jesus got fed up with his family, moved off, went somewhere else. But in the end, In the end, he takes care of mom, even if they had challenges. He takes care of mom, and at the cross, he doesn't trust his stepbrothers and sisters. So he says to John from his fishing family, John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son, take care of her. (sighs) Even with the challenges they had, and there's no question from the Bible, they had a scritchy relationship. Even so, he honored his mother and made sure she was taken care of. At the very end, he wanted to make sure that he fulfilled the commandment of the Father to honor your father, father and mother, no matter what. That's really quite impressive. And I'm saying this not to shock anybody. This is in the Bible. you can look it up for yourself. I'm saying this because most of us don't come from perfect families. Some of us come from really nice families. Tolstoy says at the beginning of his great novel, Anna Karenina, all happy families are the same. All unhappy families are unhappy in their own way. There's a complexity to it. And there's no sin in being born into a complicated family or a complicated blended family or being raised by divorced parents. It happens to a lot of people. And we found this out with our men's group on Monday morning. It's a majority of the guys, in our men's group and John was there. majority of the guys in our men's group had real challenges with growing up and real challenges with the families that they grew up in. You you don't get to vote on the family you get born into. And sometimes we're fortunate. Sometimes it's tragic. Most of us are somewhere in between where there's some good and there's some bad, and we just do what we can with that. We're going to deal with that at the end of the message, and uh, you're going to be able to take part in that. So he takes care of Mary at the very end, and what he's doing is reaffirming the commandment honor your father and mother from the old testament it's commandment number 4 or commandment number 5 depending on whether you're lutheran or reformed and you might wonder why you have trouble memorizing the numbers for the 10 commandments because there's two numbering systems and it can goof people up the plaque on on your wall might be different than what you learned at catechism so it's just a it's the 4th or the 5th commandment depending on how you number it Honor your father and mother. And Jesus basically says, this is not a suggestion. This is something you have to do. Because honoring our mother, in a way, is honoring ourselves. And if you have a challenging mother, our mother is our first authority figure. We need to learn how to get along with authority in this life, even when authority is not perfect. Who here is had an imperfect boss? I've had a couple tyrant bosses, and I learned from growing up with my mom and dad how to deal with authority. It's so important that we learn from our moms and dads how to deal with authority even when it isn't perfect. And the Bible says, you know, honor your father and mother so that you might live long in this world. Why? Because it's your mother's instinct that you thrive. And if you line up with that instinct at all, you're going to do better in life. I actually love my mom. My mom is so encouraging. Matt was talking about his mom being encouraging this morning, in the Bible class. And my mom is almost ridiculously encouraging. She never pushed me. Never once said, do your homework. Never once said, what's that B on your report card? You better do. better." she was never a tiger mom. Never did that. Never asked, never made sure I was doing stuff. But if I ever tried something, she would tell me you can do that. You could do that. I'm going to try out for uh, this position on the football team. You could do that. I'm going to shoot for first chair and trombone and band. You could do that. And once I just messed with her. Mom, I'm going to win the Nobel Prize in literature. You could do that. <laughs> I <just laughs> so I, I tricked her on that one. But uh, she, would, she would always give me the sense that I could do anything. And that was really, really cool. It was quite a blessing. And I really believed her because I think she really meant it. It, She really thought I could do anything. And uh, I can't do everything, but it sure has helped having a mom think that. Well, here's the Bible passage for today, Mark 7, 9 through 13. Either turn to your Bibles or your phones or whatever you got with you, because this passage has almost never been preached on. I almost never hear a sermon on it. But it's Jesus reaffirming commitment to parents reaffirming the fact that we need to honor our parents. He's having a tiff with the legalistic religious people. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. Who thinks that's rather firm wording? But you say, but you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift to God, that's a Hebrew word. What people were doing is they were neglecting the commandment to take care of their parents financially and honor them. And what they were doing is saying, I'm going to put God first so I can't take care of you. And I'm going to have God tell me where to put this money. And you might invest it, you might give it to the synagogue, you might give it to the temple, you might start a business with it, but God told me to not use it to support my parents. And Jesus says, uh-uh, no, you can't do that. You can't use a technicality to get out of one of the top ten. You need to pay attention to this. Don't don't come up with excuses to break the Ten Commandments. Oh, we do it all the time, I, especially in California with the Sabbath." Oh, my goodness. We'll go to the streets protesting on commandments that aren't in the top ten. But Sabbath breaking? Oh, we skateboard over that. In California? Oh, I was busy. I had a lot to do. Busier than God? God took a day off after creating the world. I think I think we ought to pay attention to that one. Honor your father and mother. is. There's no asterisk on that one. That's one we have to do. It's good for us. It teaches us how to deal with authority. It teaches us how to grow up. It teaches us how to, uh, deal with encouraging people like I did or deal with difficult people because we're going to have both. One of your parents was more difficult than the other and thank God you had one because we need a good cop, bad cop because we're going to have good cops and bad cops the rest of our lives. Wendy was the pushover. I was the, I was the wrestling coach who would say, run it off. You know, it's, you'll be fine. You're not bleeding. And so you, you need a little bit of both because we're going to get both in life. And we need to learn to deal with both. God gave us parents for a reason. And honoring our parents helps us to learn how to do that. So saying so you can't skip out on this. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. doesn't have to take care of mom and dad because he said Korban was his money. Oh, great. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Who thinks Jesus is pretty serious about taking care of your mom and dad at this point? He's made a whole illustration of this and trapped people in this deal. So the word honor in Hebrew is kavod. Which is a sense of heavy reverence. Heavy, not in the bad sense. Oh, it's heavy. I mean, heavy. heavy in the sense of like nineteen sixties. If you're watching an Iron Butterfly concert, you say heavy. You know, good, good heavy. And so it's it's one of those kind of things where it's good heavy. It's your parents have that heavy feeling, and you should have a heavy sense of reverence for your parents. And having that will help you succeed in life. That's how that works. Honor your parents, kavod, not a suggestion, something we need to do. Now, some of you have beautiful relationships with your parents, and you ought to be grateful for that. You ought to be grateful for that. Be be as thankful as you can for that, because it's not the rule. You're very fortunate to have had a couple of really good parents, or at least one really, really good parent, and honored them. I do know that... I come out of an Anglo-white culture and we're not as good at honoring parents as some other cultures. There's some other cultures who do a really good job of taking care of mom and dad and a little bit better than ours. I think we can pay attention to that. We can learn from other cultures. Some of you have had complicated families, really tough families. I want to say something. This comes from stuff Kathy continues to say. Jesus reinforces the honor commandment but it doesn't mean you have to agree with your mother or your father. It doesn't mean you have to have no boundaries or you can't be allowed to have boundaries. There are times where you have to tell mom and dad, no, you can't come over right now. I have to have some boundaries. It's okay to have boundaries with even your closest friends. It's okay to have boundaries with your spouse and your kids. Having healthy boundaries is a good thing. God never asks anybody to be a doormat and honoring our parents doesn't mean agreeing with everything they say. And it doesn't mean having no boundaries. It doesn't mean allowing abuse. Uh, Some parents can be verbally abusive, and some parents can be physically abusive, and some parents can, the opposite of my mom, tell their kids, you'll never amount to anything. Uh, I always knew you'd be a failure, that kind of thing. That's a curse. Some of our parents curse us. You don't have to allow that. You don't have to allow that. And you don't have to allow the flaws of your parents come down through your generation. Everybody knows that if your parents are alcoholics, the chance of becoming an alcoholic is higher. If your parents are divorced, the chances of becoming divorced are higher. Those are curses that can run through families, and you don't have to receive those curses. You can draw a line in the sand and say, this is not going to happen in our family. And that's not dishonoring your parents because your parents aren't perfect. God wants us to honor our parents, our imperfect parents, because it's an imperfect world, and we have to learn how to deal with an imperfect world. Our parents give us great examples for that, because they're not perfect. And it doesn't mean ignoring your family of destiny for the sake of your parents. In other words, the friend, the lifelong friends you make, the the marriage you go into, the things you do, those lifelong friendships, it doesn't mean putting your mother's relationship or your father's relationship ahead of that. Because you're going to invest in your family of destiny. And if your family of destiny overlaps with your family of origin, you're very blessed. But it often doesn't. And when it doesn't, it's okay to put your family of destiny first, as far as your energy and your time and those kind of things. But that doesn't mean you can't, that doesn't mean you can neglect your parents or dishonor them. Dana Hansen, who he pastors our sister church up in the valley, which is a uh, first Lutheran of. Uh, Northridge, Lifehouse Church, has a great phrase for this. He says, honoring people means to seek their good with the resources you have and to do the very best you can to make sure that they do well. And sometimes it's not what they want, but it's best for them, especially when parents get a lot older. Sometimes we have to take our dad's car keys away at a certain point, and they don't want to do that. That's not dishonoring your dad. It's keeping him alive. And perhaps saving the life of a family he could run over. There comes a time where you have to do that from time to time. You have to have those firm boundaries with our parents. Seek the good with the resources you have. For those of you with truly awful parents, and some of you do have truly awful parents. I mean, I've heard as a pastor, pastors and cops hear everything. People say a cuss word around me. Oh, sorry, sorry, pastor. I'm thinking as if I haven't heard way more than you'll ever hear. I, I've seen people in lockup bouncing up and down on beds doing, never mind. I, it, we, we see lots of stuff, lots of stuff. And I've seen some horrific parenting. I mean, I could tell you stories that would curdle your blood. For those of you with really awful parents, and some of you have them, I've got a couple of hints. There's most likely something very broken inside of that parent, something very wrong mentally, emotionally. Your parent could be emotionally or mentally ill, and they might be doing the best they can. And rather than hating your parent, who's truly awful, and some of them are, this is another Dana Hansenism. Try to have curiosity about them rather than hate. I wonder why he acts this way. I wonder what's causing this. I wonder what in his childhood made him do this. I wonder what's going on. I wonder if he could be diagnosed with something that needs some help. Replacing hate with curiosity is a good way to honor a parent that is truly malicious. And some parents, very few, but some parents are malicious, and I've seen it. And if you've got a malicious parent, the way you honor them is to turn hate into curiosity and seek their good with the resources that you have. And it's easy for me to say, because I've got a nice mom, and my dad has gone on to be with the Lord. He was nice, too. It's easy for me to say that from up here, and I know how hard it is for you. But I guarantee you, if you replace hate with curiosity, your life is going to go better, and you might find a way to seek their good in a way that might help them. So invite the worship team up here. We're going to do something together. So from your families, your family of origin, your parents, your grandparents, there's some stuff out there that isn't perfect, and there's stuff out there that's really good. Wendy and I have wonderful marriage blessings. Both of our, all four of our parents stayed married their whole adult lives. And that's been a real blessing for our marriage. That's kind of what we expect because we grew up with that um Wendy's got a blessing of abundance and prosperity in her family and that's we've let that into our family uh my family has a, a blessing of being very church oriented we were always very church oriented and I love being church oriented it uh, it's been a great blessing for my life no matter where I go in the world I can show up on Sunday morning and there's my family it's good stuff and so those are family blessings And what we want to do is we want to open the doors and let those blessings flow into our generation. However, there's some things where we need to draw the line in the sand and say we don't want these things to come into our our generation. We don't want chemical addiction or abuse or uh, brokenness of any kind. And you guys can fill in the blank as to what in your parents' and grandparents' generation you don't want to let into your family. And so what we're going to do is we're going to stand up and we're going to um, we're going to do that right now. We're going to uh, ask the Lord to let the family blessings flow. Go ahead and stand up, everyone. We're going we're to ask the Lord to let the family blessings flow into our generation. And we're going to stop the family curses. We're going to draw a line in the sand and say, nope. We're going to uh, rebuke that curse in Jesus' name. Next week, we're going to talk about commandment number six from Jesus, be reconciled to one another. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to affirm family blessings, and we're going to end family curses. And if it doesn't take today, just keep repeating like shampooing until it works. Just keep doing it. Uh, it's Just keep affirming those things in your family's background. What I want you to do right now, Kim, if you could just kind of, just Play like really cool little background guitar music, or something like that, or maybe Bill or somebody—I don't know—do something for just a little padding. And what we're going to do is we're going to think of, we're going to think of uh, the best things about our parents and grandparents, their best qualities, the best things about their who they were. I'll give you just a second to do that. Why don't you come up with at least two or three? give you thanks for the gift of playfulness that uh, Wendy's dad brought into our family. Lord, uh, Wendy and I enjoy that so much to this day, even years after we lost her father. That sort of zaniness at the dinner table. I want to give you thanks for my father's mother, grandma, Agnes Olson, and her deep faith in you, which infected the whole family. There's so many others, Lord. I just want to let those blessings flow into my generation and to the generations after me. We're not going to do this with the family curses, but with the family blessings, go ahead and and vocalize some of the blessings that have come down from your grandparents and parents go ahead and speak them out Dear friend Robert back there said how to how to work and how to fight his mother his mother is a, is a character she works harder than almost anyone Robert's ever seen and she knows how to fight too she shot the TV once but uh, she has boundaries it's good stuff we give you thanks for those good things. Lord, we just open up. I picture a dam, Lord. I picture just opening up the floodgates to the dam, just letting those blessings flow into our generation and the generations that will follow us. We give you thanks for family blessings, Lord. Make us more aware of those family blessings. Help us to affirm them and to practice them. And now, Lord, we draw a line in the sand between our generation and our parents' generation, grandparents' generation. And we say, this far and no further, you will not come into my generation. Any family curses, we're not going to name those out loud. Because that just gives them more power. But we're going to think of them in our minds. And then together we're going to speak a rebuke of those curses. So whatever bad stuff has come down through your families, uh, curses of abuse, divorce, chemical addiction, poverty, mental illness, depression, I'd like everyone to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we rebuke those curses and any curses that have come down through the generations. We draw a line in the sand and say thus far and no farther. We rebuke those curses we cancel any assignments of the enemy. And Lord, I just picture us closing up, uh, closing up a leak in a dike. Uh, I, I think of Hans Brinker, just closing up a leak in a dike, and that's just not going to happen anymore. Lord. Those, those curses are not going to be coming our way anymore. And if they start to leak through again, Lord, we want to rebuke them. There's no obligation to receive family curses from older generations. We want to let in the good and stop the bad in its tracks. And we want to do it in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you would bless us today. Lord, we give you thanks for our mothers, the great mothers, the typical mothers, even the difficult mothers. Teach us how to seek their good with the resources we have. And Lord, if there could be reconciliation today, if someone within the sound of my voice is not on speaking terms with a child or a mother, we just pray, Lord, for an opportunity to break that silence and seek each other's good. We pray all this, Lord, in the prayer your son taught us to pray, which starts with a parental word. Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
1: As House was talking, um, something came to me. I do better if I have a, what I call a hook, which is a phrase that I can remember, easy for me to remember that will come to mind in a certain situation Um, hurting people hurt hurting people hurt people has always been huge for me that was a turning point when I realized people who were saying things that hurt my feelings there was a hurt place inside of them Mm. and so what came to me was um, how can she how come she is hurting me? Now you could, in my 20s and 30s, I said, how come she's hurting me? You know, because it was psychological things going on. Um, It wasn't until I realized, how come she is hurting me? That it changed everything in my life because I stopped seeing myself as a victim and started seeing myself a lot clear as somebody empowered to figure this out. So I just want to encourage you to, if that phrase works for you, please take it with you. And when someone strikes out against you, think about why they're hurting, why they're doing it. It's important, and uh, I I want to raise a hallelujah for that.
2: Enemies raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody. is a hallelujah heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I raise a hallelujah. With everything inside of me, I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah. In the middle of the mystery I raise a hallelujah Here you lost your hold on me I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder you to hear roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. He is the love on his so I'm gonna sing and in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder. When I hear my praises roar, come from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive Louder, sing a little louder, sing a little louder, sing a little louder, sing a little louder. Louder. Sing, louder Sing a little louder Sing a little louder Sing a little louder In the presence of my enemies Sing a little louder Louder than the unbelief Sing a little louder louder. This melody, sing a little louder, if comes to fight for me, sing a little louder, I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises pour. up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. A is
3: so, I just have to say, it's not my favorite song. It's not really mom's favorite song, but I couldn't figure out why I had to do this song today. And I realized God showed me in the middle of it. Um, I'm not one of those. That doesn't have a good relationship with their parents or a family history of bad relationships but i do know people who fall in that category and this song is singing in the middle of the storm um up from the ashes hope will arise death is defeated the king is alive the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy right so my prayer over you, and those people you may know who may not fall in the category of great relationships, is the death of your relationship, the struggle, the eh. The, uh, there's no word for that, but just the uh, of your relationships. Um, there's hope that out of the ashes of destruction, something can arise. And sometimes we need to look for the God in someone. Not the good, but the God. Because we're all, if we are choose to believe it or not, we're all created in the image of the Most High. We all carry that within us. So don't look at your mother or your father or whoever in the image of the earthly person they are because they will always fail you. But look for the God in them because he never will and that can bring hope from the ashes for a relationship that can continue. With that, have a blessed week and hug your mother or a motherly type today.
1: That was good. Don't look for the good in the situation. Look for the God in the situation.